Warner Brothers brings all of its movies to HBO Max in 2021. I'll let you know how Wonder Woman did over the holiday season and so much more. Welcome to the first episode of The Stream Fiend. Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of Stream Fiend. I'm your host, Keenan McClellan. You might know me as Horror Guy, the host of the Everyday is Howling podcast, or a long, long time ago, the host of the Bloody Disgusting podcast, Wizard World podcast, Space Dragon podcast, Vinyl Record Store podcast, and the Animation podcast. Well, this podcast is all about everything that appears on that little black box in your home. Is it the telephone? Is it your TV? You're correct on both, actually. Uh, this is for everything that pops onto your streaming services. So right now, we're in this crazy, crazy uh, world where uh, everything can be streamed. And, and and everything is going that way. Um, I try to think of a, a way to do a, 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 a podcast that can c- kind of combine the, my loves of film and games and and, and horror and, and sci-fi and so much more. Uh, into one place on top of that warner brothers has announced that they're taking all their films slated for 2021 and are putting them on hbo max so this is pretty much capping the knees of theaters and they are not happy theaters are pissed and nobody's going um and i don't want to make this a podcast to um to hype up that and to not go to theaters and just stay home and stream everything if anything um you know, I'm very much against that. Uh, but I won't ignore the fact that all of our media is coming to streaming services. <laughs> I mean, I have a huge collection of, of VHS tapes and DVDs and Blu-rays. I love physical media. I love going to the movies. Um, but what Warner Brothers is doing right now um, by putting everything on the streaming service on HBO Max uh, is uh, kind of changing the way we're going to be doing things for quite a while. Um, whether that moves past 2021, who's to say? Um, but, you know, it, it's where we're going, and I want to tackle this head on. Uh, this podcast is going to be all about, uh, you know, games and movies and TV shows and solely right. I mean, that's that's what this show's about. So let's just jump right into it so as you guys know uh hbo max is basically containing all of the hollywood releases from warner brothers that was slated for 2021 uh, which is kind of changing the landscape of how we watch movies now that's to say if all the other studios follow suit um if you remember universal was going to put out trolls um on their streaming service and amc got really pissed off about it and they kind of worked a deal out and you know had it on there uh they're at their theater for a little bit and you know now that that warner brothers has gone and done this you can imagine how pissed theaters are at them right now for this i mean we're not just talking wonder woman which is already kind of a huge thing uh you know let's just go down the list of films that are slated Kong versus Godzilla, Matrix 4, Dune, Suicide Squad, Space Jam, Tom and Jerry, Mortal Kombat, In the Heights, and The New Conjuring are all coming to HBO Max next year. Uh, 
I mean, Dune alone, and the Dune director is, is pretty pissed. Uh, we already know Christopher Nolan's stance on this whole thing. He's really pissed, trying to get everybody to go see Tenant in theaters. Uh, and the craziest thing was is uh, Warner Brothers was backing him during this. Warner Brothers backed Christopher Nolan and said, yes, of course, we want to get people in the theaters. Let's do this. And, I mean, they looked at the return, and they saw where he was going. Now, I mean, obviously, it was because of Pandemic. It's because of pandemic and, and and COVID that you know a lot of people were afraid to go to the theaters. So what this really is is a wolf in sheep's clothing. This is the the studios now uh, trying to see how they can make more money back. Obviously, they see the numbers on how much they're making when they make a, a streaming service, and they're buying the rights back to their own films. Well, not necessarily. They're selling it back to themselves in a very specific way, and the way they're doing this is. Uh, kind of fresh and new and they're just making um, knee-jerk reactions because they don't want to wait for a very long time to, to sign a little, you know, to dot the I's and cross the T's type thing. Um, and, you know, the, the people like Legendary Pictures are really pissed off about this as well. You know, they want to see the box office numbers for Dune. They don't want to just have it dumped to a streaming service and uh, only insiders know how much something made. Um, this is also a strategy to get, I also think, um, to not pan critics at all. So when a, a movie comes out, uh, critics can just dump on it and say it sucks, and nobody goes to the box office because uh, whatever. It, I heard it sucked. I'm not going to go see it. Now, um, you would be more likely to watch a movie that you're questionable about because it's right there. Let me just pop on your thing. Oh, yeah, I saw that new Wonder Woman's out today. I guess we'll watch it. Yeah, that movie kind of was crap never mind like that's what it'll be it'll be just you know uh, a dismissive finger but they got they got the watch they got that one uh watch and that that's all that matters um in the eyes of, of warner brothers so it it, it baffles me it, it's crazy that this is happening to the point where um movies can underperform but still just keep making sequels upon sequels because it's kind of hidden uh so for instance, you know, like a new Star Wars movie comes out. Obviously, you know, we'll take Solo, for instance. Solo came out and came out with mixed reviews, uh, but not the reviews that Catherine Kennedy and, uh, you know, the uh, Disney estate were, were, were wanting, you know. and But if it was just a, you know, Disney Plus movie and uh you know some people would watch it oh there's a han solo movie out. okay i'll watch it i think that that's what they want they want you just to hit that play button watch the thing and then just be done with it uh whereas a lot of people will go to the theaters you know if they wasted like 20 something dollars with their kids and you know they're with their you know, boyfriend or girlfriend and your know, parents and let's say it starts becoming expensive with all the things so like so people weren't going to the theaters enough already before pandemic to warrant does the studios were already in trouble is what i'm saying the studios were already in trouble at that point when pandemic hit studios were shut down hollywood had to really stop and think and the best option was hey you just put it on the thing that's already making us a ton of money um so this is very interesting this is a very interesting time i'm very interested in seeing where this is going and that's why this this podcast has been created uh there's a lot of news around this let me let me pull up some more stuff here now, Legendary Pictures may take HBO Max and WB to court over Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong. Legendary is asking for $250 million. Uh, Legendary financed 
of both films. So they have uh, more than a half stake in there for the, for these things. And they want to see these uh, turned over the right way. Um, you know, and I, the thing is with this stuff, I would, I would love to ask you all, I've taken polls. Uh, I think when wonder woman came out and, and, and um, soul, I said, did you take your phone out and check your phone during any of these movies? Now, if I pull this up here, let me see. Now, this is if people answer truthfully. Um, 55% said no, whereas 44% said yes. Um, that's interesting to me because nobody's ever to, well, I shouldn't say nobody's ever to take their phone out in the theater, but you're more likely not going to take your phone out in the theater. You're going to be, uh, your attention's going to be had at that screen and you're going to be watching that movie the entire time. And I think that is one of the joys of going to a theater other than the, the comfy seats and the stadium seating and the loud sounds and the great picture is that you get in the experience with people laughing and, and, and crying and just that, you know, that human emotion. I'm not going to go too, too much into it. But you're fixated, right? Like you, it's a time to not feel like you have to pull up your phone, check social media, answer a text message. Like for the next hour and a half, well, most movies these days, two, three hours. But you, you're, you're there. You're watching the movie. It's you and the film. Um, and I feel like that's not, we don't have enough moments like that throughout our day, um, whether you make that time for yourself or not. Um, it was It was very therapeutic for me. To, to, to do that and I really enjoy it and the fact that you know that's kind of gone and I can kind of like just stay home and just you know pop on HBO Max or Netflix and watch a movie I'm probably still going to check something on my phone maybe pause it go make dinner come back like that pure film going experience is kind of lost um, I know for a fact you know even with Wonder Woman I didn't check my phone um, in Seoul, I didn't check my phone because I, I strictly put it aside. But you know, I could get think about it. And for I don't know, it was that forty four percent said yes out of fifty five. So, I mean, that's where we're at right now with this whole thing. Okay, let's keep moving forward, guys. It looks like we're going to be getting more than just films from the theaters on HBO Max. Yes, even more stuff. It looks like DC just greenlit a bunch of uh, spinoff. TV shows from their DC films. Uh, I'm guessing the numbers from Wonder Woman looked pretty good, and they were like, you know what? Sure, yeah, green light a few of those. Also, the, I don't know what's really going on. I guess the DC streaming app is officially over. I'll have to give you guys some more news on that. I remember like that and the CBS streaming service both rolled out around the same time, and um, I think once uh, Swamp Thing got canceled midway through its production, they kind of figured out what they were not really figured out what they were doing with the DC streaming service, but knew that it wasn't the direction they wanted to go in. And I think that's where HBO Max started kicking in, and they just were like, okay, everything that we have is going to HBO Max. I wonder how many times I've said HBO Max on this stream. Um, so, yeah, look for more uh, DC shows very, very soon. The two confirmed spinoff shows right now are The Suicide Squad and The Batman. Uh, so yeah, in this way, they can also play around with different characters and still be like, you know, like there could be like three or four Batmans because it's Earth one and Earth two. It's the thing that DC has been doing for a while in their comic books that I'm sure their shows are now going to start slowly adapting into. 
Now, here's a little segment I call Eye on Horror. As you guys know, I'm a huge fan of The Last Drive-In on Shudder, the streaming service that's all horror from AMC Networks. Um, well, they just did their Christmas special for Joe Bob Briggs' Last Drive-In, and he raised a whopping $44,327 for charity uh, during their last uh, showing of Black Christmas and Dial Code Santa Claus, which was amazing. I had to watch it with the mutants and monsters. It was a good time. Um, that all went out to the, tre- to the Trevor Project, uh, National Women's uh, Law Center, and the Peaceful Valley Donkey Rescue and Autism Research. So good on uh, Joe Bob Briggs and uh, Darcy the Mail Girl and everybody over at Shudder. We love you guys. So we got some big things coming out for streaming services in January, and I'm going to give you guys the rundown right here, right now. Cobra Kai, the very popular YouTube series that was uh, kickstarted about two, three years ago, uh, has gotten picked up by Netflix, and all of it is going to Netflix, along with the new season, the third season, on January 8th. Uh, The Office is headed to the Peacock. That'll start on January 1st with new uh, behind-the-scenes Office episodes. How I Met Your Mother is headed to Amazon. That'll be on January 1st. Uh, WandaVision, the new uh, spinoff from the Marvel movies. That'll be on Disney+, and that starts on January 15th. So those are some uh, pretty big ones I know people have been asking about. Uh, now I'm going to kind of run through some uh, some older films. Let's see what we got here. Um, we have on Netflix, coming in January 1st. Uh, we got Can't Hardly Wait, Bonnie and Clyde, 30 Minutes or Less, Blue Streak, Enter the Dragon, uh, Gothica, Mystic Pizza, Julia and Julia, Into the Wild, The Haunted Hathaways, Seasons 1 and 2, The Naked Gun, Eddie Murphy Raw, Sex in the City, Sex in the City 2, Sherlock Holmes, Striptease, Superbad, uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, so there's, there's a little, uh, Johnny Depp for you right there. Uh, let's see anything else really interesting. I mean, there's a lot, so I'm trying to kind of sift through it for you guys. Um, Lupin heads to Netflix on January 8th. I'm not really sure if that's the new Lupin, the first movie, or if it's a new Lupin, but it's titled Lupin. So keep an eye on that for the, uh, anime adaptation of Lupin the third. That's I think CGI looks really good. Uh, Spring Breakers is coming out on January 10th to Netflix Hook is coming on January 15th to Netflix. Uh, Madagascar, Penguins of Madagascar, January 15th. The Jurassic World cartoon uh, for season two is coming out January 22nd. That's kind of really about it. Now we can move into Hulu on January 1st. We're looking at Dick Clark's primetime New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest is going to be aired live right there. So if you're listening to this podcast the day it airs today, look for that. Uh, The Arrival. uh, Blade Runner, The Final Cut. Blow, Boogie Nights, Breakdown. Wow, they got a lot of stuff in 2021. Look at this. Cloverfield, Coneheads, Constantine, uh, The Core, Cujo, Date Night, The Dead Zone, Dead Presidents. The Duff, Face Off, Footloose, Frankenstein, and the Monster from Hell, Frozen. It's a lot of good stuff hitting Hulu very soon. I'm not going to run through all these because there's a lot. The Relic, Star Kid, Star Trek, The Voyage Home, The Three Musketeers, Vampire in Brooklyn, 
War. Gretel and Hansel will be on Hulu. That looks really good. That'll be on January 7th. More One Punch Man. I mean, I feel like it would be weird to keep going on with lists, but I feel like I can't leave Amazon out, so here we go. The 1900 at the Night at the Roxbury, Arachnophobia, Broken Arrow, Cloverfield, Coneheads. Well, Coneheads is getting around. Uh, <laughs> In and Out, Legion, Like a Boss, Star Trek Beyond, St. Elmo's Fire, Salt, Push, Pride, Premonition, The Peacemaker, The Firm, The Interview, Walking Tall, War, Wonder Boy, uh, Dexter Season 1 through 8. Yeah, that's really kind of about it. Uh, Gretel and Hansel. Wow, Gretel and Hansel's going there too, I guess. So that's interesting for me for, for, for just streaming services in general is is the fact that, you know, one streaming service can release some, like the same film at the same time. I thought that couldn't be a thing, but apparently it is, and it's very interesting. Over to Disney+, Plus, we have Dr. Seuss's Horton Hears a Who, the Wolverine. That's all coming January 1st. January 8th, we got Star Wars Forces of Destiny 1 through 4. Star, or Toy Story, That Time Forgot. See the, uh, the little shorts. January 15th, we're looking at Dr. Doolittle 3. WandaVision premiere, like I said before. Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, January 22nd, we have Pixar Popcorn premiere. Uh, Beyond Clouds. And January 29th, Dinosaur Seasons 1 through 4. We're getting dinosaurs back, everybody. Not the mama. HBO Max, we're looking at 12-ounce mouse from uh, Adult Swim. A lot more Adult Swim stuff, I notice, is kind of coming over there. 42nd Street. Um, Batman Begins. A lot of the DC animated stuff. So we're looking at Batman the Animated Series. Batman Hush. uh, Death in the Family. Bad Blood. Beyond uh, the Return of Joker. Batman Beyond... All that stuff's going to be on there, which is really cool. Um, Blade, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the new one. Eh. Uh, <laughs> Check it out with Steve Brule will be on HBO Max. That's really cool. If you haven't checked that out, please watch it. The Conjuring, obviously. Ed, Ed, and Eddie, some Cartoon Network favorites are popping up here too as well. Green Lantern, the Green Lantern animated series. Gremlins, Gremlins 2, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Uh, he said, she said, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Justice League, Ma, Mad Max 2. There's a lot of a lot of good stuff hitting HBO Max, obviously. Snowpiercer, V for Vendetta, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scream, Squish, Patriot Day. The list goes on and on, guys. Um, just trust me, a lot of really cool stuff. And I know I just listed a ton of things for you all, but... We are to go into my top 10s of 2020. Yes, top 10 games, top 10 shows, and top 10 films. Let's kick it off. Gamers, this section is for you. These are my top 10 games of 2020 and if you guys follow me you know i am a huge gamer i stream mondays through fridays on twitch from 10 p.m to 3 a.m uh and i've played everything from under the sun and we'll be talking about lots of games on this podcast moving forward including films and tv but let's jump into the best games of 2020 at number 10 i have pumpkin jack 
This is by Head Up Games. Uh, this actually just released on the Switch not too long ago, but I played it on the PC uh, during Halloween time. And I gotta say, it is such a good time. Uh, it is a, a platformer uh, with a jack-o'-lantern-headed uh, man. And he goes around with a sickle. And you, it's their typical kind of a Halloween adventure. You know, your haunted areas. And you get to do really cool things like... Um, like there's like the like uh, there's grinding and slaying and little like kind of it's it's like Dark Souls light. I mean you get to like you know hop around a really cool environment and world that's just really pretty and it, it's it's a fun game for kids as well as adults. Um, but you know I'm such a Halloween buff and I love jack o' lanterns that this game just hit all the right spots so perfectly. It's gorgeous. I'm glad that it moved onto the Switch. Um, so right now I think it's only twenty dollars on the Switch um $21 it was and it's marked down from 30 so make sure to check out pumpkin jack if you're into spooky platformers next up is carrion this is a horror game developed by phobia game studios and published by devolver digital uh this game came out around july and uses the mono game engine this game is really cool. It kind of takes a, a very like 2D style game, uh, but you're playing this like visceral thing, blob mo- monster with tentacles from something like uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. And it has all these tendrils and eyes. And as you play the game, it kind of starts growing. And as you move through this world and you absorb things and, and use your tendrils to get from one area to the other and suck yourself through little small areas and just devour anything that's around your your wayside. It's great. It's, it's such a good time. It made the list because it's very unique. Uh, there's not a lot of 2D platformer games uh, like this out there and i say i think it's really original and i would love to see a remake or i'm sorry not a remake a sequel um and you can actually play this right now on the xbox game pass for free if you have xbox game pass load this thing right up if you don't know what xbox game pass is it's a subscription service you can sign up to kind of like hbo max and all that stuff but for video games and all the video games are at your fingertips right there on the xbox so check out carry on number nine spot Next, we cannot leave out my boy, Goku. That's right, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot coming in at number 8. This game came out right at the beginning of 2020, January 16th to be in fact made on the Unreal Engine, uh, developer by Namco, or Bandai Namco. Uh, This one's available on the PC, PlayStation, and Xbox, and it is hella fun, you guys and gals. Uh, if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, this game is for you. It has every nook and cranny of the Dragon Ball universe, and you start right from the very beginning beginning of just Dragon Ball in general, and you learn about all these characters of the Dragon Ball world in Dragon Ball Z, uh, from the Raditz fight all the way down to, I want to say, at the Cell Saga it ends, or it could be all of Dragon Ball Z. I think it ends at Dragon Ball Z. I think it's all the entirety of Dragon Ball Z, including uh, Baby and all that, is in this game. Now, will they make another game that's all of um, Super? I would love that. I would play the hell out of that. Uh, now, it does have its flaws. Obviously, it's an open world where you play as Goku and you can fly around on your Nimbus or just fly in general. Uh, you can pick 
many different characters to be. You can switch out your party members from Yamcha, Tien, Krillin, Vegeta, you name it, they're there. Um, it can get a little repetitive at times, but as long as you're pushing forward through the story mode, it should keep it fresh and fun for you. I know kind of the side dragging or side quest can be a little dragging and, and, and kind of slow the game down, but if you just keep pushing through that story, it's a lot of fun and well worth the price. Coming in at number seven, we shouldn't be surprised, but it's Cyberpunk 2077. Yes, Cyberpunk, the game that came out a little too soon. Probably should have went back in the uh, the old uh, oven and to cook a little bit longer. Uh, obviously, Cyberpunk has been uh, littered with a lot of problems with its release, but are hopefully going to get fixed with its January patch. Uh, the Most of the f problems were for old consoles on the uh, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Just could not put the output uh, of the game, making lots of gamers mad this year. I, however, played it for the PC and have had a pretty good time, but I've also run into a, a few glitches here and there. Uh, so much so to the point where it's almost made the game unplayable at times for me. Kind of a bummer with how great it is and how it even made this list, but the game is such a great and beautiful game that it deserves to be on this list, and I've had so much fun with it that I could not not include it. Um, CD Projekt Red did an amazing job, and they're still kicking ass. It's just not their fault that they released their game around these consoles' new uh, new iterations, and you know, out with the old and with the new, and having to put out their game on so many different platforms. Um, I think it's it's not it's not cool how fans have been dragging down uh, Cyberpunk through the mud for this, but it's, uh, I think Cyberpunk is actually a really great game, a lot of fun, very unique, uh, and should just get better and better as time goes on. Do you guys remember um, No Man's Sky? You remember No Man's Sky? Yeah. Uh, everybody panned that game when it came out, and now it's it's been built up, and they've had time to work on it, and it's a great game. So I'm sure Cyberpunk will turn into something like that very, very soon. Next up, we have Murder House from Puppet Combo, in vague scenario, I don't know if you guys are familiar with indie horror games, but I it is just the, some of the most fun you'll ever have. Games that are just made to look like PlayStation 1 games that are just balls-to-the-wall terrifying. Um, and the guys over at um, H.io uh, put out some really cool stuff on there, but I think this one is actually on Steam. You can download that one. But Murder House has to be the scariest game I've played all year coming out and around October uh, 22nd, 2020. This game uh, brings you into a mall as a kid and lets the evil Easter Bunny come after you. If that doesn't sound like nightmare feel, I don't know what is, but man, it scared the crap out of me. Um, I've been getting into a lot of indie horror from the Dread X collection to anything on H's uh, website, and Puppet Combo makes some of the best horror games out there, so I highly recommend going out there, checking out Murder House. Oh, there she goes. Watch out, boy, she'll spit you up. Whoa, there she goes. Coming in at number five, we got a man-eater. Yes, the game where you play a great white shark that goes around and eats legitimately everything and gets stronger and bigger and more ferocious. Uh, using the Unreal Engine, this is a game from Tripwire Interactive, and this thing is for everything. We're talking the older consoles, the new consoles, PC. If you have a gaming thing, you can play this, and I say do it because it is so fun. And just for you PlayStation 5 owners, it is the PlayStation Plus game of the month, along with a few others. And you can download Man Eater for January for free. 
If you have a PlayStation 5 and you have PlayStation Plus, Man Eater is yours. It's my number one, number five game of the year. So much fun. I highly recommend it. It's like just picking up like Tony Hawk or something and just playing. It's just what moves and cool things and extra points can you get for just eating the most badass stuff. So check that out. Coming in at number four, we have the Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1. Uh, I am a pretty big Final Fantasy fan, and I know I had a great time streaming this for all my other friends uh, who are also Final Fantasy fans. And the game surprised me. It's not just a full-on remake of Final Fantasy VII. and actually takes its time and really kind of dives into these characters' worlds and lives, uh, which is kind of makes the whole thing surprising that it's just only Part 1 and we have more parts coming but I'm okay with that because I want to come back to this world. I love these characters. The game is beautiful. It hardly has any bugs. Definitely check out Final Fantasy VII if you haven't. I feel like if you own a PlayStation 4 and you are and you haven't played this, what's wrong with you? Uh, moving forward. All right. Here are our top three games of 2020. Coming in at number three is Doom Eternal. That's right. This was the year of Doom and Animal Crossing. And... Uh, Man, did uh, did Doom ever just cake my ass? Holy crap! This game—it's uh, kind of where I started streaming, and it's—it's it's just a, a brutal beating. But people love watching you just grind through it, and this game is just so great. It flows so beautifully, and if you can just get all the button corrections to the metal music and just just shoot, kill, bounce, hop, stab, pull, jump, grind, like. It's a game of losing. You, it's kind of like a, a Dark Souls type thing. You lose until you win. But man, is it so fun when you start getting it. It feels really good. And there's not a lot of games that reward you for, for how brutal something is. There's So many games are so easy these days. So I'll definitely give it to Doom Eternal in the number three spot. Coming in at number two is Medium Molecules Dreams. Uh, I am a huge fan of Dreams. And this is for the PlayStation 4. Uh, and PlayStation 4 only. Uh, Dreams is a game where anybody and everybody can make a video game. If you've ever played Little Big Planet, uh, there's these little bubbles that you can pop with your little sack boys and characters. And those little bubbles contain wallpapers, stairs, little items here and there. And as you play their game, you're collecting items to build your own game. And it was a very cool, unique idea how you can make little levels and stuff for their game. Well, Dreams has gone a step further and it's just... You collect things that can now, uh, you can just build everything. So you have a hub world where you can build stuff or you can just go and play other games that people have made. And some of the games that these people have made out there look like AAA titles. These games are gorgeous or they're things that, okay, so for instance, PT was taken off the PlayStation Store um, when the whole drama went down between Hideo Kojima and Namco. Well, somebody just built PT, the Silent Hills prequel in dreams they just built the game and you could go and play this like six to eight hour game starring norman reedus obviously it's not really him but it's you know a character that looks like him and they kind of fleshed out what the story would be like if they would have continued silent hills like how cool is that uh the haunted mansion you could just go into the haunted mansion ride and has all the music playing and like you can go behind drawers and like it's just the things you can do and then afterwards you can go right and see what other people are working on and what, you know, what's coming soon. And it has a really cool community. And by streaming dreams, I've met some really cool people and developers on that platform. And I just feel like it's such a hidden gem that nobody's talking about that should be blown from the rooftops 
please check out Dreams. And God, I have my fingers crossed that Dreams comes to PlayStation Five. When I hear that announcement, day one, I will, I will, I will grab a PlayStation Five if Dreams Two gets announced for it. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. If you haven't, I'm pretty sure it's really, really cheap. You're paying basically nothing to buy Dreams, and you're getting access to hundreds and hundreds of games. Media Molecule is a great company. Very smart, very artistic people. Go check out Dreams. Okay. Now, my number one game shouldn't really surprise anybody because it's on a lot of people's number one list. But my number one is The Last of Us Part Two. This game is brutal as hell uh, and did a story that nobody predicted, a story where you want to just follow the two main characters of the first game, but it pulls a Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses Devil's Rejects on you where you now are sympathizing with the villain. You are playing the villain character. And where you think you don't want to play the villain, you start sympathizing for the villain. So when you go back and you play the other characters, you're just seeing that it's just an apocalyptic world that you're living in. And everybody's kind of just doing what they need to do to survive. Just like Rick and The Walking Dead and you know Negan and his camp. Like, sure, Negan and them were all a bunch of jerks and stuff like that. But when you started finding out about Negan, he wasn't such a bad, bad guy. It was just the world that kind of turned him that way. Uh, a lot of that comes in The Last of Us Part Two where you're just full on for just revenge, but you don't see the reasons why and why one side would be more prevalent than the other. And it's not true. It's just your personal personal opinions going into it. And it, it's such a gorgeous game for being one of the last games on the PlayStation 4. It did such an amazing job with that system. It was just gorgeous the, the from the writing to the gameplay. The Last of Us Part Two deserves every bit of awards from 2020, and don't let people tell you it's horrible. That's—I mean, if it's a personal opinion, and you know, you just you like the characters in, in the first game, I understand. I totally get that. And if you don't like it, then that's that. But you can't deny that the game itself was just a very tight, and you not hardly any any glitches whatsoever. That I I think uh, they definitely just just deserve the number one spot. So there you have it, the top. 10 games of 2020. Let's move into television series. Would you like to? He's looking at you, kid. Come on, let's shag ass. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Coming in at number 10, we have Picard. That's right, Star Trek Picard, the CBS All Access Star Trek series that's a continuation of Star Trek The Next Generation. I guess I should say a pseudo-continuation. This series is definitely plagued with uh, problems, and I have my personal gripes. But at the same time, these top 10s are about things that bring me joy. And if I get to spend just... And a minute inside the next gen universe, just one more time. I mean, that's what I did with like Enterprise and like the later Star Trek shows. Like they weren't next gen, but you know, it was continuing Star Trek and it made me happy to see Worf again and these other characters. So, you know what? I'll jump into Picard, even though it has 21st century problems of storytelling and writing. I still get to hang out with Captain Jean Luc Picard, uh, see Deanna Troy, uh, and a bunch of other characters. So, you know, 
give it a chance. It's definitely not for everybody. I know that production on season two is halted due to COVID-19. But they, I think uh, Jerry Ryan recently said that, you know, it's going to start back up uh, filming mid-2021. So if you want to get caught up uh, on that, make sure to get CBS All Access and check out Picard. Coming in at number nine, Netflix's The Haunting of Bly Manor. I was a huge fan of Mike Flanagan's first series, The Haunting uh, Hill House. And uh, his storytelling and his pacing, which was one of the reasons why uh, Dr. Sleep was one of my favorite films of last year. Mike Flanagan worked on that. He brought that to that film. So coming back to Netflix to do another one of these, I wasn't too sure. And neither was a lot of people because it's very different from um, Hill House. Uh, some of the same actors, kind of like American Horror Story, where you kind of use like your same cast, uh, but just in different roles. This one is a more of a slow burn love story than a ghost story, but ghosts are definitely in it. And it's, you know, most ghost stories are sad love stories. Uh, and this is like the classic pinnacle way of telling one of those tales. Kind of like, remember those old uh, books that your your mom was probably reading? Um, and, you know, love, gothic love stories and things like that. That's what this is. And it's a good time. It, it touches your heart. And you know what? If I, say, I say if anything touches your heart, then it's worth something in the top 10. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm, probably sure I'm probably one of the only people to say that. But I, I thought it was really good. I had a good time with it. Check out The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix. Coming in at number eight, Lovecraft County. Uh, this is a show on HBO Max that is fucking crazy. Um, it, at times can be a little hokey, like the later seasons of True Blood, but it has a really good message and is trying to um, do something uh, with sci-fi and horror that not a lot of sci-fi and horror has done. And that's incorporate um, African Americans into the forefront as the main characters, creating a a world where these characters matter and. Uh, you know, the, you know, everybody else kind of takes a sideline on top of just the, the culture that the time period is in uh, affects everything that's happening, which is kind of funny because Lovecraft, as some of you might know, was very racist. Um, so to have an all black cast or an almost all black cast for Lovecraft County is in the way they t- they tell their stories within the, uh, this world and bring out the mythical creatures it's it's really smart it's a really smart well-written show uh but yes it does have its it's little it's kind of bummer uh eye-rolling moments but other than that i highly recommend lovecraft county a lot of fun coming in at number seven dave on fx this is probably one of the very few that's on a channel (laughs) that you can just turn on television but also i mean you can just watch dave on hulu uh the very next day when it airs Dave is a story of Little Dicky. I don't know if you know who Little Dicky is, but he is a real-life rapper. But it's kind of like you're the 21st century Weird Al Yankovic, if that makes any sense. Instead of doing parody songs, he more or less just raps, kind of like how Eminem. He's a white rapper. He's a Jewish kid. Uh, and not really a kid. He's, he's a guy. He's probably like in his like early 30s. Um, but he's very out out there about his dick size and what's wrong with his dick and and just as a jewish boy who had surgery it's that's an awkward thing but he makes that the joke and that's how he starts becoming popular and selling things and he makes his lifestyle of what he's made on into the on the show 
like really funny. Like he's a rapper, but like how many songs does he really have? And he like kind of like thinks about that. Like, Oh shit, I need to actually make like a fucking single. Like I already got paid and like, now I got to like work on this. And he has a hype man that has, um, you know, anxiety problems. I think it's anxiety. Don't quote me on that. But, um, you know, he had to learn about taking medication and stuff. And so it's like a comedy kind of like Atlanta, just a little bit, not as much as Atlanta, um, or not as sophisticated and smart as Atlanta, but still very fun. And it and gets, uh, it's, it's very funny and very nasty. Uh, if you like shows like big mouth on Netflix and things that are a little gross, I think you'll definitely dig Dave. Uh, moving into number six, Doom Patrol, that is on HBO Max, and I guess it used to be the uh, DC streaming service. Uh, I didn't put Doom Patrol in my last year's list, and I think that's kind of uh, a sacrilege and a bummer because Doom Patrol was so good. Um, so I'm definitely putting season two into uh, my top shows because uh, the circus aspect and where it goes, you can't. You think that this show can't get any more crazier, but it does. Doom Patrol is about a bunch of misfit superheroes, kind of like your... Um, uh, I would say kind of like your Guardians of the Galaxy, but for the DC Universe, um, it, it, they're a lot more raunchy and a lot more dark than I think the uh, that they are. But um, uh, Brendan Fraser's on the show. If you haven't seen Brendan Fraser in a while, you probably still won't see him on this show. Every now and then he plays a cameo part, but he's usually just doing his voice. Um, really good stuff. Definitely check out Doom Patrol coming in at number six. Number five, Midnight Gospel. Now, this is a animated series from uh, Duncan Trussell. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who Duncan Trussell is, but he's a podcast slash comedian host. Um, very funny dude. Um, it's also written by Pendleton Ward, which you might know from uh, Adventure Time. Uh, and so it's taking the Adventure Time kind of crazy, kooky animation and just really running with it into this this hyperbolic acid trip world where this guy kid i guess um sticks his head inside this space vagina and it launches him into other galaxies where he just interviews people for his his galactic podcast Uh, obviously it's already hitting with me because i'm a huge podcast guy but within each episode and he's talking to these people. It's like a real podcast. So it's like two people sitting down talking, but they have things animated while they're talking. So it could be a, a, a silly or aloof story or someone talking about their religion, um, talking about life. But as the ways the episodes are set up, it kind of gets more beautiful and how real life and how the, the stories and uh, just the, the, the real visceralness of it comes forward while you're also watching just the most insane animation from Titmouse that I've ever seen. It's so much fun. It's such a good time. I really pray that this gets a season two. Um, I think it's only like eight or nine episodes. But if you get a chance, check out Midnight Gospel. I guarantee I will not steer you wrong with that one. Coming up at number four, HBO Max's Close Enough. This is J.G. Quintel's new series. Uh, if you remember uh, the show Regular Show on Cartoon Network, this is his new animated series uh, about a young family just starting out. Uh, you know, uh, Pendle- or, uh, Pendleton. J.G. Quintel voices the main character, uh, and there's a husband and wife, and they have a little girl. Uh, and it's just that transition of, you know, being a young parent and having friends and, 
you know, people that smoke might smoke weed or drink around them. And what, like, how does that life go? And should you be doing, should you not, uh, maybe you can leave your kid at home. Maybe you should leave your kid at home. All these like little things like that, but they do, they write it in so well. And it's such a, a fresh look at animated families. And, you know, we've seen a lot of the Simpsons. We've seen a lot of family guy. We've seen a lot of American dad and all the Seth MacFarlane, reiterations of what Simpsons was, um, what the be- leave it to beaver and the American family, you know, we had leave it to beaver and then we had uh, married with children, which was the anti leave it to beaver. So this is kind of like that, like true life storytelling, the cuteness that you do get from like regular show uh, in an, a family version of that. I know I'm not really selling it too well, but I promise you it's a great time. I mean, obviously it's in my, uh, it's my number four, so it can't be horrible, right? Coming in at number three, The Shivering Truth on Adult Swim. This is Vernon Chapman's new series. Uh, you might remember him from uh, Xavier Renegade Angel, which is a little weird of a show, and he's kind of written some other things for Adult Swim. This is a stop-motion animation, animated show just about the weirdest fucking shit you can imagine. Uh, it's scenarios that happen in your everyday life and like very wrapped around inside jokes, not really inside jokes, but just inside jokes about how weird shit can be in life. Um, and it's just done in such a smart and creative way that I cannot take my eyes off the series and I want to watch so much more of it. Uh, I believe season two just came out this past year, may have been at the end of 2019, but I'm still including it because I watched all of The Shivering Truth this year. It's all on Hulu right now. Highly, highly recommend it. It's only 15 minute episodes because it's stop motion. It takes forever to make. Um, But man, if you want to have just the best late night experience, check out The Shivering Truth. Coming in at number two is The Animaniacs on Hulu. This is the new reiteration of the Animaniacs from Steven Spielberg and Hulu. And I got to say, it is not easy to bring back a cartoon from the 90s and still keep it relevant and fun for people today. Um, I've seen some hits and misses from other animated series um, that came to Netflix and and other, uh, you know, streaming networks and series that kind of broke my heart because I was such a huge fan of the cartoon beforehand. And then they just did it again. And it just didn't land the right way. I'm not going to name it because I still really respect that animated, uh, the writer and creative team. Um, But Animaniacs just hit all the right bars and all the right moments. And if anything is funnier than the original, if you go back and you watch some of the original Animaniacs, they're cute and tongue-in-cheek and fun, just whatever, you know, quick adult jokes when you were a kid. But they do not land next to how funny and smart and, and just interesting the writing is in this one. Like, it makes you want to go back. Like, I want to go back and watch the entire ser- series again. I watched it all in one day. <laughs> uh, there's still Pinky in the Brain. They're back as well. And they bring up the reasons why the rest of the... Uh, Animaniacs are not there. I will not give the, get spoil the reasons why they're not there, but it is brought up in the show and it's pretty clever and very funny. Check out the new Animaniacs. The one thing that griped me just a little bit is they got rid of their shadows. The animation team, everything looks a little flat, but that's just in digital animation in 2021, and I guess. But um, let's hope maybe uh, if they get a season two, they'll, they'll bump up that animation. Uh, just a little bit more and add some shadows and depth to those characters looking a little flat. But other than that, the show is amazing. It's hilarious. Check out Animaniacs on my number two 
spot. Coming in at number one is Amazon Prime's Tales from the Loop. Tales from the Loop is from Simon Stallenhag. He's an artist who draws uh, scenic paintings with a little bit of sci-fi thrown in. Uh, not enough to really kind of like throw the, the painting off, but just very subtle stuff like an electric box here or like a very basic robot with like, you know, a pincer that picks things up, puts stuff down, uh, you know, there. Uh, maybe like a, a giant uh, cable going through the ground. Just very basic kind of images, but it kind of puts it in the sci-fi world. And that's what I really love about this show, which is on Amazon Prime. Um, it's all about, you know, these, these real human stories based in a scientific sci-fi world. Um, and they kind of slowly drip into each other. And it's a very well-written story, very beautiful. Uh, I think there's only about 8 or 12 episodes. I highly recommend you check it out. This is my number one show of 2020 that I feel like flew very well under the loop. <laughs> under the radar, if you will. Uh, there's an RPG game about Under the Loop out there, or Tales from the Loop out there. Um the art books, but definitely, definitely check out the series because I want to see a season two of this thing, and it's such a good thing. And it, you know, that this is a series that made me tear up. Not a lot of shows make me do that, but man, this one really got those waterworks going. So there you have it. Those are my top television shows of 2020. Now let's move into movies. <laughs> Coming in at number 10, we have Bill and Ted Face the Music, directed by Dean Parasot. He did the original and uh, sequel to Bill and Ted, and of course, the original leads are back. Uh, sadly, their wives have been recast, along with mostly everybody else. Um, but, you know, time has, has told, and we you know that's acceptable. Uh, Bill and Ted came at a time where we really needed it the most this year, and I did not want to leave it off, not because, you know, I, I thought it was an okay film. Overall, Bill and Ted 3 is probably the weakest of the Bill and Ted films, but at the same time, this year was abysmal for film. We literally had nothing new for quite a while, and it wasn't until Bill and Ted in August popped up, and they actually said, we are going to put this out on streaming and in theaters now this was a you know you know pay type thing you pay twenty dollars and you get to see the movie uh, but at least it was something right we didn't pay for movies all year so i feel like they did us a service um bill and ted you know the, the guys are back they're they're you're still trying to figure out the song that saves humanity and they're just getting old and they're getting tired of it it's bill and ted get tired and there's even a moment where keanu reviewed and says i'm just tired yeah so, you know, it, you can tell that it's kind of like, I mean, obviously, no offense to Keanu Reeves. He did a great, okay job, but he, he could just tell he's just not in it. He's been trying, Keanu Reeves has tried to pull the Ted Theodore Logan out of his acting skills since day one. Since he did those Bill and Ted movies, he didn't want to be typecasted as the whoa, dude guy. And then somehow he got put, put into uh, Point Break, Speed, Matrix, where he was definitely the whoa, dude guy. Um, as for Alex Winter, you know, he did Freaks, which is amazing. And then we never heard from Alex Winter again. <laughs> so it was great to have these guys back. Um, you know, seeing Alex Winter, he's just really into it, did a really great job. He does a good job with uh, Keanu Reeves uh, with him, you know, next to him. We also had Anthony Kerrigan, who's from uh, Barry, as the villain, kind of. Uh, Samara Weaving and Bridget 
Lundy Payne, who I haven't really seen in too many things, but I really liked her in this. Um, and then Kristen Shaw, as well as Rufus's daughter, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, the movie has its moments, but overall, it is, it's just kind of a popcorn flick. Just chill and enjoy the last installment of Bill and Ted, because I'm pretty sure the series is now officially one and done. Check out Bill and Ted right now on YouTube for $5.99. Next up, we have a Shudder original. This is the Mortuary Collection coming in at number nine, starring Jacob Elrody and Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, you might know from Pet Cemetery 2 and about a billion other things. Um, I love Clancy Brown. I think he's an amazing actor, and he's becoming even a better voice actor over the last couple months, or I'm sure years for him. Uh, this is a kind of like a... Uh, a creep show type thing where, you know, you, you have your main characters and then they tell stories and there's three tales that wrap with inside of it and maybe has something to do with the main overall arcing story. Uh, you know, I, I love these kind of tales. Uh, was it tales from the hood, things like that. Well, uh, the mortuary collection kind of does the same thing. It's all of these books and maybe there's a few, uh, books that we haven't read, you know, and it's like, as you're going through the collection, it'll be more and more movies. So uh, fingers crossed that the mortuary collection too, will be coming the shutter very soon. Uh, this one's uh, it's has everything. It has the creeps, the spooks, the gore, uh, the the acting. It's just it's a good time and probably some of the best stuff that Shutter has put out. So definitely check out the Mortuary Collection. Next up is the Charlie Kaufman Netflix film. I'm thinking of ending things, starring Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons, also starring David Thilwis and Tony Collette. I really dug this film, and I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. I'm not sure if it's all the breakups that I've gone through, but it does this really good job. I don't know if you've ever seen Charlie Kaufman's other films, like uh, Internal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind and uh, a number of other things. But he does this really good job of just conveying uh, relationships uh, into the, the dread of love and loss so well and this kind of dives more into how odd and quirky uh you know maybe your loved one's parents uh could be and you and meeting them and uh i mean this this movie goes into way more than that this is just i'm just kind of like talking on like the outskirts of what you might get from the trailer um but you're kind of getting more of a uh in in the girl's head it's it's, it's a drive basically they're on a drive through snow to get to meet his parents uh, and she's going to meet, you know, the boyfriend's parents for the first time kind of thing. And she's already thinking of ending things in her head. Uh, and it kind of unfolds slowly but surely. Um, this movie came out uh, in September. Um, highly recommend it. Kind of a slow burn. This is the drama film of the list. Um, check it out. Very good stuff. Coming in at number seven, we have Brandon Cronenberg. This is David Cronenberg's son. His new film, Possessor. Uh, Possessor is on uh, YouTube right now. You can watch it for $1.99. Uh, this, uh, this is a really interesting sci-fi film. Um, kind of you know, p- puts you into a cybernetic body, and you might have to do a hit. And it's all about a hitman, I should say hit woman, uh, that is uh just the her she's so used to just going and doing these hits and leaving uh her body behind and when she comes back 
Um, she has to go back to her daily life and with her family and how it's just kind of bland for her after a while. You know, the things that she's doing in this, uh, this, you know, pseudo reality world that she's putting herself in um, is so intense and so much crazy stuff that when she goes back to her original life, it's just, is not there. And the layers that come with that, um, Sean Bean is also in this film. Does he die? Does he not die? I don't know. But you should check it out anyways. <laughs> I mean, I know. I just I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, but yeah, really good film. If you're it definitely Cronenberg brings the gore for sure in this film. Um, not as monstery, gross like his father's stuff uh, or some of his films, anyways. But the uh, it has a very good. It's probably my favorite of. Um, of, of Brandon Cronenberg's films. Um, definitely check that one out. That that came out around uh, October this year. That is Possessor. And number six on the list, we have The Hunt. This is Craig Zobel's new film. This is a Blumhouse joint uh, produced by Damon Lindelof. This one is really cool. And probably one of the last films I actually saw in a movie theater. I think this is actually the only film I saw in a movie theater that's on this list. Um, but it stars uh, Betty Gilpin uh, from uh, the wrestling show on Netflix that's escaping my mind right now. Uh, Emma Roberts, Hilary Swank, and so many more. Uh, it's kind of that, that battle royale type scenario where a bunch of people just kind of wake up and they're handcuffed and, and they have gags in their mouths and they're in the middle of a field like what the fuck's going on. And then there's a crate in the middle of the field and there has a bunch of weapons and people sort of start taking weapons and running. And I always, that's, that's always interested me. Like the, the great thing this film does is at the very beginning of the movie. Uh, there's no dialogue. It's just kind of what you would do waking up and seeing. And well, if you know, if you're in a gag and you see a bunch of people grabbing weapons, like, are you just going to sit there and go, Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm going to figure this one out. You're just going to grab a weapon just in case. Right. And that's just where things start getting and how far, uh, Betty Gilpin's character gets through uh, through all of this and who is who's in on the game and who's not in on the game and uh, it's just such a good time and it's so fun and that's what this this list is all about is enjoyment how much I enjoy these movies and was how much replay value I'd get out of them and I would absolutely watch the hunt again because it's just such a fun flick uh, also very gory you know me I like my horror films so it definitely scratches that itch. Uh, but yeah, I also remember it's one of the very last films I saw in a major movie theater this year. Let's hope not for the last. The Hunt. You can watch it right now on Hulu if you have a Hulu subscription. Number five on the list is Host, the horror movie. Yes, Host was a horror movie that came out uh, Shutter exclusively. And uh, it kind of took 2020 by storm. Kind of, it reminded me a lot of how Paranormal Activity uh, came out, and then whenever Blair Witch came out. Uh, this is also a pseudo-realistic documentary type film, but not. Um, obviously, this is more like Zoom conferences. So, what what if you invited a spirit while you're doing a Zoom conference? Um, Really, such a really good idea, especially during lockdown when nobody could do anything. You know, obviously, you're like, well, filmmakers got to be doing something out there. I wonder what the what they're making out there. And uh, these filmmakers got together, and you know, they couldn't be around people. So, like, all right, well, we'll just give certain camera setups to you know certain people, and we'll direct this thing out. And man, did they knock this shit out of the park for a horror film! It is so fun uh, and so creepy. And the girls, 
the act in it uh, do such a good job that it's really believable that their you know their Zoom conference is is haunted, I guess, and seeing the devastation that comes through all this. Um, it was on Shutter. I don't know if it still is right now. I maybe it is. I I know for a fact it's on Amazon Prime right now, and you can watch it right now. Uh, and this movie did so well that Blumhouse uh, auctioned the guys that made it to make th- they gave them a three picture deal at Blumhouse, and they've already started working on a movie uh, with Blumhouse. So that just shows you how you know the great minds in horror. You know, you just make your little indie picture, and there you go. You, you launch off into uh, to the big house. So really cool to see that all that happen for the, the, the creators over of hosts. Really great people. Uh, hope to see maybe maybe host two in our future. Coming in at number four is Soul. Say like coming in at number four is your soul. <laughs> Uh, this is a film directed by Pete Doctor, uh, music composed by Trent Reznor, uh, and screenplay by Pete Doctor, Ken Powers, Mike Jones, um, stars uh, David Diggs, uh, Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey. It uh, really just fun cast. This movie came out of left field, and especially a film that. You, I feel like 2020 needed it. 2020 needed a soul and it finally got a soul. Um, very uplifting, very beautiful. It's all about, you know, the afterlife and what happens uh, when you go beyond. And, you know, what if you held back in purgatory? You're not ready yet. You still have more to complete. Well, whenever you try to put yourself back in your body, you might go back into something else that's not your body. But you, it's, it's the journey. It's, it's that Pixar, I'm a lost toy. I'm a lost fish and I need to get back to make everything better. And Pixar has a a formulaic way of doing these things, but somehow they just tend to change it every single time and just make it so good. Look at up, you know, we're lost and we need to, we need to get this, this house back on the ground. Like (laughs) this one, uh, Tina Fey and, uh, and, and Jamie Foxx do such a good job back and forth. Um, it's also really cool to see how well Pixar has come over the years of doing humans. Like you got to remember the very first Toy Story movie, they they copy and pasted Andy as other kids because they didn't have the human body. It took too long to animate more human bodies. Meanwhile, Joe Gardner's character is walking around the city with hundreds of other faces and sunlight bouncing off them, and it just it looks so good. And it's just amazing to see where how far um, Pixar animation has come over the years. Uh, on top of just being just a very sweet film, um, anybody can watch it and kind of relate, uh, you know, especially if you're, you know, a creative person, somebody who, you know, wants to put their art out into the world and you feel discouraged. Uh, I feel like Soul is a great movie to watch to kind of help you go, you know what? It's not just me. Everybody goes through this. Uh, so, yes, Soul. And that is on Disney Plus right now. What a world we live in, right? Number two on the list, Sound of Metal. This is a movie directed by Darius Martyr. Uh, and from Amazon Studios, you can check it right now on Amazon Prime. Um, this one fought a lot for the number one spot. Um, didn't make it, not because it's any less better, any less good than the first film. Uh, it's in the number one spot. But it is such a a really beautiful and powerful movie, uh, especially for just, you know, 
anybody that's gone through um, being, I mean, everyone's been young, but you know, being young and finding what makes you, you, and then having something taken away from you that you would never expect. Life comes at you fast and life comes at you fast, especially in your, your twenties when you're forming who you are and who you're around and what that does. Obviously this movie follows a drummer, uh, part of a two part band, uh, him and his girlfriend. And that's their lifestyle. They just travel around from gig to gig and they love each other. And that's, they're also recovering addicts, um, that are keeping each other safe. They're both clean and they put out their angst into their music. And that's, that's that, uh, until one day the drummer realizes that he can't really hear as well as he thought. And it's getting really bad to the point where he can't even understand people talking in front of him. Um, so it's all about him having to deal with that with his girlfriend, uh, figure out what it's like to be deaf and how to recover from that. And if you even do want to recover from that and how angry just the human soul can be to just get something as simple as hearing back, seeing, hearing our senses, walking, it's things that we take for granted every single day. Uh, and for a film to just kind of focus on something uh, as simple as just losing your hearing. And the, the beautiful thing about film is you can convey that in such a perfect way of playing with the audience and the, the, the sound practicality in the film. Um, amazing sound designers, you know, working with the visual, um, you know, the visual artists and the storyboard artists and the director on, you know, what this character is going through and, you know, the eye motions of like, you know, they're, I can't hear, like trying to pop your ears and, they just did such an amazing job that it makes you feel that you're right there in the main character's uh, shoes. Um, really, really powerful what movies do. And that's, that's what this film is. Uh, I guarantee this movie will win a bunch of awards, uh, but that's not the reason to see it. Just watch it to get a really beautiful film. Another film that anybody can watch and relate to uh, the sound of metal. All right, guys, the moment you've all been waiting for, the number one film of 2020, The Devil All the Time. This is Antonio Campos' new film on Netflix that released on September 11th and stars all the pretty boys from the Marvel movies, including Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Bill Skarsgård, Sebastian Stan, and even that evil stepbrother in the Harry Potter films, Harry Melling. Uh, These characters do some evil, evil things in this film, Uh, and it's a kind of a period piece, too. So it's a, it's a Southern period piece where just, you know, Bill Skarsgård is just a really horrible guy named Willard Russell who has a kid. It's uh, Tom Holland's character. And, uh, you know, just he brings him up in just the worst situations and he sees a lot of violence. So he's brought up as just also being like that and being a hurtful, hateful person um, and how times change. And just it, it's a gorgeous film. Um, and it's one of those movies that just sat in my brain and like as days went on i just kept thinking about it thinking of moments and images and i think that's that's great movie making right there you know like the stuff that you just cannot get out of your head and i think it mended the stuff i love about horror movies and the stuff i love about true crime and the stuff i love about hollywood all into one movie and man it just it was such a it's such a good movie um i know it kind of got thrown around review wise when it kind of came out uh but that's why you should definitely check it out if you miss the devil all the time on netflix now is the time to, to look for it check it out it is my number one movie 
of 2020. Guys, gals, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really appreciate it. This is where I'm going to be putting a lot more stuff out. I'm going to get a lot more shows for you guys. Um, Make sure to head over to the Patreon page. If you want to throw me some support, uh, that is patreon.com backslash horror guy, all one word. Uh, that's where the mutants and monsters hang out. We have a discord as well. Uh, you can go check that out for the mutants and monsters discord page where we all talk about movies and we have little parties and stream things. And it's, it's a great time. The streaming world is just nuts right now. Like, t- like the future is moving so fast uh, the technology of what we can do i don't want to just sit there and let it pass us by like i want to talk about it i want to talk to you guys about it i'm excited to watch these movies with you all to share uh things that are coming up new ideas uh it's an exciting time and i needed a podcast i needed a place to go and talk about these things um and not be held down by the confines of horror i know i can talk about horror but there's only so much coming out you can saw my top 10 list it only has so many horror movies in it because that's that's kind of really all that kind of came out this year. So I, need, I needed a, a platform, and this is it. Uh, thank you guys so much again for listening. Make sure to follow me at horror underscore guy if you like what you're hearing. Um, make sure to g- jump on Twitch if you like video games. I gave up the top ten earlier. I'm also horror underscore guy in there. I could link you all out with so many other links, but I'm just going to leave you with a little bit, a little ditty at the end of the show here. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Talk to you real soon. Happy New Year, everybody.